This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. What's happening? Download the Joy app today. You know, what's happening is Nevener and Macca are hosting Saturday Magazine on Joy 94.9 Independent Media. Who we got next, Nevener? We're really pleased to be joined by the president of the Australian-Palestine Advocacy Network. Welcome to Saturday Magazine, Nasser Masni. Oh, well, uh, thank you so much, Nevener, for the welcome. I'm very excited to be on the show with you and Macca. We're really pleased to have you and we'd love to know a bit more about the work of the Australian-Palestine Advocacy Network. Could you please tell us about your role there as president and also the work that you've been doing in coordinating the recent solidarity marches across the country? Yeah, so the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network is now 13 years old. It's the peak representative body of um, Australian-Palestinians and those Australians who want to seek justice for Palestine and the Palestinians. Um, we're a national body with uh, a national membership body. We've got members from uh, Palestinian groups, Jewish diaspora groups, all sorts of solidarity groups, as well as unions, churches, etc. So, if you added up all of our constituency, we're you know somewhere close to two million you know uh, affiliate members. So, no small organisation by any means. I'm the first Palestinian president of the organisation. Um, which is fantastic because for so long our movement and the space that we occupy has had to be opened by our allies. You know, mm. we exist in a space where, unfortunately, if a, a, an older white bloke didn't open that door, we couldn't get in there. And um, I'm thankful for those um, those allies, our, our previous presidents, and have used their their power and their influence and their prestige and their titles to create that space that now I preside over a board that A, is majority Palestinian, Australian Palestinian, and B, majority women. So, um, so, so very cool. And as to our work, you know, we coordinate national messaging, branding, uh, we lead campaigns at, at the very highest levels, which is, you know, lobbying trips into Canberra yeah. all the way down to, um, you know, educating um, kids on, on, on Palestine and work with unions and stuff. So a broad range of activities, but, you know, we'd love for people to join if they go to APAN, APAN.org.au, APAN.org.au, they can see what we do and join the, join the movement. Nasser, it's Macro. I wanted, for our listeners, can you uh, define for me what a Palestinian is you know we know you know there are palestinian people and an area some people refer to as palestine can you define what a palestinian is for me just for our listeners yeah yeah so there's two types of palestinians Naka. there is a palestinian like myself who has connection to the dirt Abraham's dirt, the father of the three monotheistic religions, Muslims, Christians, and Jews, that is geographically connected to that dirt by, you know, birth, okay. indigeneity, religion. But then there is my, uh, those Palestinians, and, and many of them obviously I'm related to, and many I'm not. Um, but then there's a second type of Palestinian, and they're, they're increasingly, increasingly my favorite Palestinians. And these are people, Maka, that are coming along to our vigils and rallies that might be Anglo-Celtic, they might be Sri Lankan, they might be Chinese or Persian, who are coming out 
for Palestine, coming out, standing in solidarity with Palestinians and saying, we want to be a part of a movement for a better tomorrow for everyone. And they understand that Palestine is a battle that we all need to fight together for a world where irrespective, irrespective of whether somebody is black, brown, yellow, green, Muslim, Christian, Jew, Baha'i, he, she, they, queer, straight, uh, etc., that we're all human, that we're all equal, that we all have the same right to live in peace and harmony and respect on a, on a planet that we share. Um, and so, you know, I've been, my very first protest, Mecca, was in my mum's belly in 1969, and I, an anti-Vietnam moratorium march, Gough Whitlam addressed it. Yeah. I'm in my 53rd year, and I've been at protests where my dad spoke to my mum and my two brothers and I. So, you know, to stand, as I did last week in, in, in Sydney and Gadigal ran to 50,000 people, and, you know, to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in Melbourne over the past eight, nine weeks. You know, I'm just by our new Palestinians. I wanted to ask NASA that, you know, as Australians, um, you know, we we have we're, we're fortunate in one way that geographically we're an island, uh, but we are you know connected, of course, with our near neighbours. But also for a lot of Australians, I don't think they understand um, what it means. Uh, to be an is you know, an Israeli or to be a Palestinian, um, you know, in Gaza and the West Bank. How do you get that message across before you actually get to, you know, the justice and the injustice mm. of the situation? How do you get that message across to your to your fellow Aussies about yeah. you know about this? Um. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing, like that, that the reality, the door is open because there's so much blood. Mm. And that blood is innocent uh, Israelis and Jewish people. That blood is, you know, the overwhelmingly Thai Palestinian children. Um, the injustice, the injustice, the ethnic cleansing of Palestine, the 75 years of denial of Palestinian rights to self-determination in their ancestral homes as indigenous people, that's the actual core message. Now, you know, when things are quote-unquote quiet and quote-unquote quiet in Palestine, Israel, is a Palestinian gets killed every 18 hours. And that's not newsworthy. You know, I did a Sky News interview early in the piece for 14 minutes. The woman that was interviewing me kept barking, Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. And I said, look, you don't care about Palestinian lives. I've sent you 10 press releases in the 10 months to date on the first mm. of every month. And I'm here now because Israelis have been killed. Um, and, and there's that elevation of one person suffering or people suffering over others. And, you know, the Arab male in particular has been dehumanized to such an extent that we get killed and, you know, and nobody, nobody matters. So when we speak and when we get opportunities to speak to the injustice, um, it only sadly is at the end of, you know, bloodletting. Um, I'd like to be having conversations with people about the injustice of the situation. That you know, my father grew up in the 20s in a, in a Palestine that was ruled by the British, um, and you know he played with his two friends, played marbles, and on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Abraham, Abraham, and Ibrahim um, played marbles together. And on Friday, Abraham went to temple. On Sunday, uh, Saturday, uh, Ibrahim went to mosque, 
And on Sunday, Abraham went to uh, Abraham went to church, and that's Arabic, Hebrew, and English for the father of those monotheistic religions, Abraham. And on Monday, they played marbles together. You know, somebody's religion shouldn't be um, the reason for an elevated ownership over the land. And unfortunately, Israel, as it is today, is an apartheid state. It's been called an apartheid state by its two main NGOs, Betzalem and Yeshdin, by Human Rights Watch, by Amnesty International. Today, in the river to the sea, or um, historically geographic Palestine, there's two peoples, there's two sets of laws, and if you're Jewish, you get, you know, a really good run. Great municipal services, great roads, and if you're a Muslim or a Christian, i.e. Palestinian, well, you get second, third, down a fifth class service, and the worst bit, you're an eighth class person is the, the Palestinian that lives in Gaza, and we've seen what self-defense looks like for, for, for a Palestinian in Gaza. It's just an absolute apocalypse and a genocide. On that, we've now seen that Australia has voted for a ceasefire in the UN General Assembly just this week. What action would APAN like to see to progress the ceasefire? Well, um, obviously we welcome Australia changing. Now, this motion was exactly the same as the one a couple of weeks ago that Australia abstained from because there wasn't sufficient condemnation of Hamas. I, I, you know, it beggars belief that in excess of 20,000 people have been killed, innocent men, women and children that um, 60% of houses no longer exist. So you're driving down a street and you see 10 houses. There's only four now um, that Australia has finally called for a ceasefire. The challenge with that ceasefire is whilst the US gives Israel diplomatic coverage, Israel's continuing on this rampage and this genocide. Australia should be, as a middle power, not calling for a ceasefire, Mm. demanding a ceasefire. And that should look like all sorts of things because we know how countries can react when illegal actions are happening because we saw what happened in Russia and Ukraine. We can kick out ambassadors. We can put in place sanctions. We can stop arms trade. We can deny access to um, um, Australians who want to serve in the Israeli army. I mean, it's just just crazy that Aussies are over there killing innocent children. We should be demanding so much more of our government as a middle power, somebody with you know, uh, a weight diplomatically far in excess of our 26 million people. We should be taking the lead for those middle powers and saying enough, Israel, and if not, your ambassador's out. If not, we're going to stop trading with you. If not, we're not going to allow our university to have education programs as a minimum. And I think we should be doing that until Israel ab- uh, abides by all international law mm-hmm. and we dismantle apartheid in, in Palestine. I mean, international law you know, is so important. You know, we saw really the establishment of it was post-World War II, you know, a, a set of standards mm-hmm. and behaviours that as as human beings we weren't prepared to accept. I'm just wondering, Nasser, it's one of the, and I'll call it an urban myth, and that doesn't mean I don't believe it, doesn't mean I do believe it, but that uh, Jewish folk in Australia have a lot of political power. Is it fair to say, or how would you describe, how does the power of Palestinians in a political sense uh, in Australia, is, is, do they have an equal level of political power? Um, so first thing, we just had the 75th anniversary of the Human Rights Convention uh, yes. last weekend. 
And you're absolutely right. It's a, it was a beautiful document. And when you read it, you can't but weep for the world we live in. And you can't but weep for the world we live in because if you are not, you know, if you're an Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-Celtic male, you're living the best of that opportunity. Mm. And then everybody else on the way down, uh, it's diminished in value. And international law was based after the horrors of the Holocaust and World War II, and it said never again. And it should be never again for everybody. Yeah. Never again for everybody. Um, so then you, you, to, to the second part of your question, Maka, look, the reality is Australians who are Jewish have every right to mobilise and activate and lobby, and, and rightly do, and they're really good at it. You know, you, you can't but believe that because, you know, only last week um, the, uh, the Israel lobby in Australia paid for our alternative um, Foreign Minister Simon Birmingham, um, Josh Burns, a member of the Labor Party, and, and three or four other politicians. The Israel lobby in Australia paid for our alternative Foreign Minister to travel to Israel, business class with all the bells and whistles, to show solidarity with Israel. Um, you know, I don't know how, as a government, as a country that actually looks like democracy, I think no lobby group should be able to do that. Not the tobacco lobby, not the pharmaceutical lobby, and certainly not any country lobby. Um, but the the fact that they can afford to do it, and that our politicians are not ashamed or can't see, not reading the room, that that's probably not the right thing to do. Um, you know, in, in a time like today, I mean, if you want to, as the alternative foreign minister, to go see and offer support. So be it. Do it on your own dime. Um, now, as to our our political um, power, quote-unquote, look, Palestinians are the most despised people on earth. We're despised by Israel and Zionism. We are hated by um, the Arab regimes uh, where we in, live in refuge. And Palestinians, many of them, you know, my uh, colleagues or countrymen, if you will, here in Australia that are now Australian Palestinians have had four or five dislocations. In 1948, they were ethnically cleansed. In 1956, in 67, 73, many of them ended up in Iraq, two Gulf Wars via Kuwait, etc. They ended up in Australia. And so you're here as this person and you, you hide your identity because you don't want to say you're Palestinian because what does that mean? So, you know, you teach your kids to say Lebanese or Jordanian or Egyptian or Syrian because that's where you came from, um, your last dislocation to Australia. Um, and, and you want to be proximate to power, so you don't want to agitate. So, you know, we take pictures with local MPs, be they uh, members of the Labor Party, Liberal Party or Greens or whatever. Um, but Gaza 23 has polarised our community. And it's polarised our community because we've realised just how abandoned we've been instantaneously. And it happened instantaneously with the Opera House being lit up. Mm. As if the thousands of Palestinians are being killed today. The 20 odd, why haven't they lit up anything now for 7,000 Palestinian children? But our lives are so secondary in Australia, which is now our adopted home. I mean, I had a, uh, an interview with, with a, a, a woman on early in the piece and, and I was asked, if I understood why Australians empathised with the victims of Hamas. And I said, well, I'm Australian too. Are you going to include me in that so that I can also offer my condolences to? The challenge is you strip me of my agency or ability to participate in a collective mourning by othering me immediately. 
So I think I think there's going to be significant um, changes in the demographic and mm. the way our community votes. And look, if I was a, a Labor Party um, pollster, I'd be I'd be particularly worried uh, about what some some seats might look like post the next election. Mm. Nessa, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I want to thank you for your work, your advocacy, and Same for joining Matter and here. I yep. on Saturday Magazine. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thanks, Nevena. Thanks, Macca. Thank you. You are on SatMag, Joy 94.9, Macca and Nevena. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.